0: Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead And some days are magical, like great banana bread Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads The voices in our heads
1: Hello, fellow human beings. I hope you're well. Welcome to another episode of The Voices in Our Heads. I am Christina Hutchinson, your trusted host. And I open a lot of the episodes by saying, congrats on not killing yourself. And that, and I mean that truly, um, but there was a person who did kill themselves, um, tragically. It's always tragic when this happens. Um, Daisy Coleman, she was 23 years old. And she was part of a documentary on Netflix called Audrey and Daisy. Audrey Pott, um, along with Daisy Coleman, they were both not at the same instance, but they, were, they both experienced rape, sexual assault. And Audrey killed herself eight days after she was assaulted by a classmate in high school at a high school party in California. Audrey um, Audrey was sexually assaulted. I'm just going to read a little excerpt just to give you a background. Um, can't, I can't, yeah, I can't make this funny at all. This is just more to raise awareness because we are all human beings and we are all trying and a lot of us are walking around with a lot of pain and suicide is not a laughing matter. But that's why I jovially say, congrats on not killing yourself because I it's life is hard. Life is fucking hard and you never know what somebody's dealing with. So Daisy Coleman, uh, 23, was 14 when she alleged she was raped at a party in 2012 in Maryville, Missouri. Her case drew national attention as she spoke of being bullied after the incident. But the charge against the teenage boy she accused was dropped. She was reportedly found dead after her mother called police to check in on her. And uh, her mother had posted on Facebook after she learned of her daughter's suicide. She was my best friend, an amazing daughter. I think... She had it she had to make it seem like I could live without her. I can't. I wish I could have taken the pain from her. She never recovered from what those boys did to her, and it's just not fair. My baby girl is gone. Miss Coleman alleged she was assaulted while intoxicated by a seventeen year old boy, Matthew Barnett, at a house party in January. 2012 she was 14 her mother said she found her daughter the next morning left outside on the porch with wet hair wearing just a t-shirt and sweatpants in sub-zero temperatures barnett matthew barnett was charged with felony sexual assault but the case was eventually dropped ms coleman's family argued this was due to the local political connections of the boy's family his grandfather was is was rex barnett who was a congressman Barnett pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of child endangerment, arguing sexual intercourse with Daisy had been consensual. Um, I highly recommend if you you know, and I understand if you don't want to watch this, but the the Netflix documentary Audrey and Daisy is very powerful, and it talks it really highlights the bullying that Daisy faced by her peers in the wake of her assault and mm, uh we Corinne and I had interviewed. Uh, Daisy for a bonus episode Of Guys We Fucked A couple years ago And we're trying to find that So we can make it public um, And when we met her She came over to my apartment And when we met her You could tell I mean now that I know All the signs of trauma You could tell That this human being Was still not recovered From the trauma of a rape I mean if, if you've never Experienced sexual assault I'm glad but the, the trauma that can occur in a human being's brain when your body is taken over and, and someone uses it against your will, that I, I can't imagine how, how traumatizing that must be. And I, and I really think I've been thinking a lot in the past couple of months about um, America and how, how a country treats its people. Because you hear about Kevin, just the wrong time to get the loudest toy. You know what I mean? Okay, well, you know, you can do what you can do. Uh, the way that America treats its citizens, I just, it's so callous and it's so heartless in, in a lot of ways. Um, with sexual assault, we are, we are cheating the people of this country. I sound like Rush Limbaugh, but I really do mean it. Um, by not covering sex education thoroughly and by not covering sexual assault in middle school and in high school. The fact that there's not a conversation that's required to be had about sexual assault to every single person going through public school in the United States is absolutely nuts to me. There's so many things that are nuts to me about the way America treats the fact that um, the United States has the highest rate of maternity deaths for a developed country. And the fact that there's still states that will not allow a woman to choose what to do with her body should she get pregnant and not want to continue that pregnancy and how mothers don't have mandatory paid maternity leave and how fathers aren't given paternity leave paid paternity leave and the health care it was just it's so it's so dizzying but but there's organizations that are That you know are, are Nonprofits that are designed To help people to give people information To give people money when they Need it for certain situations um, Most states have a local uh, fund That if a person wants to get An abortion and can't afford to Kevin I'm talking about abortion And rape and suicide and it's just so I know you can't understand words But it's just not the time you know what I mean Not the time But there is a national sexual assault hotline in the states. All of the resources that I'll be mentioning in this episode, every single one of them, will be on my website in the resource section. It's ChristinaHutchinson.com, in case you didn't know. But I just want to let you know that because I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Kevin, it's just like you know, talking about rape and suicide. Rape and suicide. It's just not the time to get out your squeakiest toy. But you can't control kids, am I right, Kevin? Just stop. Um, The national assault. Sexual Assault Hotline is available 24-7 The numbers and this is going to be on the Resource section of the website so uh, And there's I'll link link it to the To the um, description Of this podcast Um, See Kevin Drops toys on the couch and looks As if he can't go down and get them and then he Barks and that is a problem for When I record (sighs) Um, Yeah the 24-7 Sexual Assault Hotline 1-800-656-4673 there's also an organization that was founded by survivors of sexual assault, one of them being Daisy Coleman. Uh, it's called SafeBay, S-A-F-E-B-A-E dot org. Again, resource section of the website. So in case you're driving, you do any spreadsheets? When you doing any spreadsheets? When you on a treadmill? Good for you, staying fit, being a fit bitch. But the goals, I'm on the website for safebay.org and our goals are raise awareness about sexual assault in middle and high schools. Oof, that needs to be done. Provide information on student rights to free, to be free from sexual violence under Title IX. Provide education around consent, bystander intervention, very important, and safe relationships in all secondary schools. Uh, Other goals include engage all students to be a part of the solution using art, activism and social media. Provide students and survivors who've experienced violence with information on their rights, options for justice, and resources for healing. Outreach to school boards across the country to ensure their understanding of obligations under Title IX and provide them best practices for student codes of conduct and department responses. And their last goal listed is to promote consent education legislation in every state. So again, all the resources on my website, this link will be one of them, you can give money to this organization. You can download their materials, videos, posters, statistics, information on Title IX. You can get information about the 2020 vir- uh, virtual summits. You can get, and find out where to get involved, safebay.org, okay? Because, oh Kevin, you can get it. The stairs that I purchased for you on Amazon are right there for you to walk your little T-Rex arms and legs down for you to get that toy that you just think you can't see okay and then he did it and then he's up again on the couch and he's freaking squeaking away okay kevin i'd really rather you not do that right now when i'm trying to be serious safebay.org okay we can we can make a difference everybody can make a difference and i also feel oh god it's just sometimes life is just like what the fuck is anybody having a good time is anybody having a good time woo woo you know woo-wee guys i got a p.o box i did it i did it i marched my ass over kevin you can get the thing yourself i marched my ass over to the post office and i said one p.o box please and the lady was like okay fill out the form and i was like okay and then i filled it out and had all my documents i'm like one p.o box please and she said okay that'll be 200 dollars." i'm like okay and then she gave me my keys that day and you can mail me stuff. You can mail me letters. Oh, it's Christina Hutchinson Ovs. That's the name. That's my name. Don't wear it out or do. The choice is yours. Your body. P. O. Box 1926, New York, New York 10156. And again, this will be on the Rings Around my freaking website. And I'm gonna have um, associate producer Emily uh, put all these in- all these things up before the episode comes out. Cause I'm recording this um, on a Monday and not a Tuesday. Cause I'm a responsible bitch okay more responsible bitch one of the things that i've been noticing one of the thousand trillion things i've been noticing uh my birthday is february 19th so it's 219 because us here in the states we do everything weird and backwards so we do the month first and then the date but i i always catch the clock at 219 lately and i always see like 219 in addresses or sometimes i'll be in a uber and then i'll just look up At the address of a building that I'm passing Just for no reason And then it'll say 219 And I'm like, shut the fuck up, God You're crazy, or universe, or whatever you are And so, when I was Before the woman handed me over my P.O. box key I just had, I was like, this I think that the P.O. box number will have my birthday in it 219 And the fucking P.O. box is 1926 So suck on my balls, world Um, I don't know (laughs) Suck on my hairy sweaty balls because I just walked to the post office and my balls is sweaty I don't have balls I have vagina um oh here's here's something good here's a good cool exciting story and I, heard, I saw it on the news and I was like hell yeah look at everybody making an actual difference and making a difference at the local level and the state level is so important organizations like safe bay who are raising, they're raising money to go into and to talk to school boards. That's so important. If you are a person who pays taxes, then that means that you should look into what your school board, your public school in your zip code is instituting. You can be on the school board. You could try to be on the school board. You can attend a school board meeting. If you live in that area, that zip code, if you pay taxes, well, I don't know what it's like now with the corona. Uh, remember that yeah that's still happening um and then we're gonna get the craziest hurricane season this year and i'm like oh and that's special <laughs> cool kevin you can get it is someone at my door why are you looking at the door weird wait i'm taking me why are you looking at me do you see a ghost oh my god it's so all paranoid um cory bush Corey bush she is <laughs> running for congress <laughs> kevin oh that's a dog barking in the hallway kevin you're interrupting all my things that i'm saying oh my god is it because you know you're gonna get your balls chopped off on friday you can't know kevin just get the toy i'm sorry guys but this is who i am and this is who he is um cory cory bush c-o-r-i-b-u-s-h i'm a nerd seriously kevin i'm gonna fucking murder you um Uh, I'm a nurse, pastor, single mom, and Ferguson-made activist running to represent uh, Missouri One in the U.S. Congress. As a lifelong St. Louisan, I understand the struggles of our communities because I've lived them myself. That's why my platform puts regular, everyday people first with solutions that are long overdue. (sighs) Goddamn right, Cory Bush. So she won the Democratic primary this year. She tried in 2018 and lost to William Lacey Clay Jr., um, who's been a Missouri uh, Democrat congressman for a long time. And she ousted that motherfucker off the ticket. And now she running. Woo! Guys, if you don't vote in November or ever in your local elections, I'm going to come to your home and I'm going to punch you in the tank. Is anybody having a good time? Jesus Christ. So I'm also going to include in the list of resources i'm on my website. Um uh, uh the website for Cory Bush is campaign and you can read more about her and you can donate to her campaign. Okay? If you have the money and if you don't, please don't be like, "Oh, I can't donate to that." It's okay. It's okay. If you don't have the money, it's okay, but if you do, I strongly encourage it. Okay? You know, I've been doing all this work on myself And you girl had a minor meltdown Well, two, well, no not a. Yeah, one was a meltdown-ish, you know, I would describe And the other one was a more calmer I'm going to leave now situation um, No, but Friday morning I just, I woke up and I realized <laughs> I was supposed to go to my friend Joe's birthday party That he had texted all of us about on thursday and then i fucking didn't write down on my calendar i don't know what is happening if there's something in the water and it's forgetful soup or something but i just i i told i didn't there was three different things this past week that i didn't write down on my calendar and then somebody either texted me like hey you doing this thing are you on the call are you showing up and i'm like fucking christ but I, i you know i can't i'm not gonna one of the improvements that i'm making is i'm not gonna beat myself up over it but i am gonna observe and i'm gonna get frustrated but my friend had a par- birthday party and i saw the pictures on instagram and i'm like fuck how did i forget to put that in my calendar and then i got sad sauce y'all i got victim um i was like my friends didn't care about me and they just went to the party and they noticed i wasn't there and they're like good i'm glad of course this is all not true but that was what was happening those were the voices in my head that day And I started to feel more upset about the situation, more upset than the situation really called for. Um, And then I ended up piling on other examples of this behavior for my friends. I'm like, then they don't care about this. My friends don't care about me. And then one thing that my therapist always asks me, and I'm so glad she asks it to me very often. And this is something I encourage you to ask yourself often. Whenever a really strong emotion comes up that you suspect might not you know the emotion that you feel might be a little overdrive from what the actual situation entails. This is not to shame yourself or get down on yourself, because boy, that'll throw you back eight thousand steps. Don't don't bother doing that. Just don't do that. It's not good for anybody, especially you. But my therapist always asks. Is this an old feeling Or how old is this feeling When do you first remember Feeling like this Christina When do you first remember Feeling like this That's not an accurate impression of her But when do you first remember Like when And, and it was and I, and I asked myself I'm like Christina When do you first remember Feeling like everyone hates you And no one cares And then I answer back I was 10 years old And all the cells in my body Felt like they were Slowly shutting down And I wanted to die I was like Is this an old feeling And then I was like Yeah and then I did something that I'm very proud of myself for doing because it's not what I normally would do, um, and I and I don't do this often, but. <laughs> you know te- reaching out to my therapist uh on a day that's not the de- like other than when I actually have therapy with her once a week is not something I usually do and it just so happened that the, the Thursday I had the session with her every Thursday and then she's like I'm going to go away for two weeks and I was like cool I'll be fine <laughs> and I really thought that um but then the next day I woke up and I was like none of my friends love me and they're all glad that I didn't come to the party because they didn't ask where I was and then I was like Christina how old is this feeling and then I was like, I was 10 and I wanted to die. And so, I, but then I really couldn't get myself out of it. I was really, really struggling. And so I texted my therapist and I and I knew she was on vacation, but I was like, you know what? I need her right now. And if she's not available, she'll tell me. It's okay. But I'm gonna ask for help. And I was like, excuse me, Miss Therapist. um, Are you maybe perhaps available? I know you're on vacation and I don't want to interrupt. But if you happen to have a spare moment for your girl, and she's like, Yeah, let's talk um, uh, us this time. And then we did. And she's like, First of all, I'm very glad you texted me because you're not go- you know, you- you've in the past not felt comfortable reaching out for help or not felt like you deserved to reach out for help, which is oh, so true. You know me well, Doc. And so I did. And we talked and we talked out the feeling. And I really came to the conclusion that this was this old feeling. And and one of the things that um, it's a trauma brain thing. And I don't know maybe it's a me thing Maybe it's a you thing too I can't tell when, when I have a negative reaction Towards someone Or something that's happening I'm like am I nuts Is this actually happening Because I don't want to You know get mad at a, a a person If what they're doing really isn't bad and sometimes i just can't i can't tell i can't tell if i'm being taken advantage of and then there's also this underlying slight paranoia of like what do they want from me you know it's not you know it's not too heavy but it's there oh it's there it's there it's fucking there and so so and i one of the things i said to her crying of course was like i just can't i can't tell like are my friends it was that is it unreasonable for me to have wanted to text them blah blah, blah you know and um and she really guided me through it well and she made me understand like okay this is not your your friends didn't do anything wrong like they didn't do anything wrong you they thought you weren't going to make it it's okay like you don't that that's a little bit of a big ass to be like why didn't you guys text me saying where are you and i was like yeah you're right but one of the things i told her a while ago was and i think i mentioned this on guys we fucked was I remember in, t- in in the fourth grade, I had this teacher, her name is uh, Mrs. Mifflin, and I really loved her. And I remember a moment in fourth grade, where we had to write down our weight, I might have even said it on this podcast too, but there's a, there's a new little point to the end. So if you've already heard it, buckle up, there's more. Um, where we had to write down all these things about herself and one of them was our weight. And I think I well, I weighed like 72 pounds or whatever the fuck a fucking fourth grader weighs. And I remember covering it up and when she went down to check everybody's paper, like, oh, how are you doing? And I was covering it up and I was like upset. And she was like, honey, you don't have to be upset about your weight. Oh, and she was very comforting. And I told that to my therapist a while ago and I kind of chalked it up to like, where did I learn to be weird about my weight? Cause I never really was. And my therapist, when I called her on Friday and had this like little bonus sash, she was like, when you did that in fourth grade, you, your brain, what your brain was doing was actually pretty, Kevin, I swear to Christ. What your brain was doing was actually pretty genius. Um, because you, we're at a, living in a time where your mom was not able to give you the emotional attention that you needed and she wasn't able to see you during this time. So what you did was, without knowing, you created a situation where an adult woman could go, hey, you're okay, it's fine, and could comfort you in a way that you really needed and it really didn't have anything to do with your weight. It had everything to do with you getting the support of a, of a female adult. And I was like, oh, shut the fuck up, oh my God. Damn Children are Children's brains are Just genius design Because Another thing that I couldn't really um, Allow myself to feel My brain wouldn't allow me to feel Was certain things like Witnessing um, my mom have a manic episode I couldn't take in the fact that my mom couldn't care for me in that moment. So I went inward and said, it must be me. I must be, there must, there has to be things that I can do to make her feel better and feel happier. And if she feels happier, she's gonna be able to take care of me better. I mean, I wasn't thinking that consciously, but that's really what was happening. And And you know, that's been told to me by many therapists and it really, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. So people have been saying like, it's barely been interesting Seeing you grow in front of people And so, I don't know Maybe that that food <sighs> for thought Is uh, a missing link for you I don't know Or maybe you can just consider it um, In life Yo, I will never I used to fucking make fun of People who's like My dog is an emotional support best. So fuck you I'm coming into this restaurant with him And I used to be like Okay, it was fucking Shirk off sign <laughs> Yo, Kevin Truly is I almost, I kind of think I'm I'm codependent on him a little bit. um it, it, I understand the value of an emotional support animal beyond words. I can't even tell you how much I will never ever make fun of anybody with an emotional support animal, even if it's a fucked up weird situation. Not fucked up, but like an odd one, like a fucking peacock. You're trying to get a peacock on a Delta flight. I read that article. I'm like, you fucking loser, get through the flight. I'll never say that again, guys. I really apologize. I apologize for when I made fun of your emotional support penguin or rabbit or bird. Because whatever the fuck it is, animals are uh, incredible creatures to be in the presence of because they just act instinctually. Mm, Say like Kevin is doing now when he's fucking at my recording. But you don't mean to and that's okay. I'll never make fun of somebody with an emotional support rabbit or dog or cat ever again. Because I get it. The way an animal just exists and isn't. And it's just confident in what it's doing. It's just really admirable. It's crazy what not having a prefrontal <sighs> cortex will do to your emotional well being. Uh, Kevin, I am recording the voices in our heads right now. Okay. Put the mic up to him, but he didn't say anything. Now you quiet. Cat got your tongue, huh? Mm-hmm. Trauma is tough, guys. Trauma is tough. And and another thing that happened this weekend. I realized, man. woof And of course the therapist is on vacation i'm not gonna bug her with this stuff but boy did i make notes to talk to her about it the second she gets back well we're gonna have a loaded session in two weeks i hope you enjoy that vacation doc but i have no tolerance for any hint of criticism from my mother even if it's loving kind um constructive uh it's I don't have any hint of tolerance for her making any comment on how I live my life. It's just, it really, and I've known that for a while, but now I can kind of accept it and just know that that's what's happening when I get really fucking heated when she criticizes me, which is not that often, but when she does, oh, girl, ooh girl, mm-hmm. Because a part of me is still is processing all the emotions and realities that I would not allow myself to feel as a kid out of survival. <sighs> it's exhausting, y'all. And I know that because that's what my therapist told me, okay? She told me that's what I was doing. And that's what feels like is happening. So that also allowed me to fully accept it. Ooh, call back to that other pillar of self-esteem. Self-acceptance. But I visited my family. And it was just so wonderful. We all, I wore a mask most of the time, inside and outside. They have a big um, deck, they live by the beach. And my brother was there with Brantley, and I brought Kevin, and it was just so wonderful. It was really, it was really magical. Because I feel like When I hang out With my family like that It's really healing It's just so nice It just feels so good Because I really Love my family I really I really love them And I have a lot Of respect for them All three uh, My fucking brother And my mother And my father Are three human beings That I I know you can't Pick your family But fuck Am I glad I got the ones I did I really am But the last Fifteen minutes Of this fucking trip You guys Because look I don't bring up I know what my family's politics are, and a lot of it's disappointing. And 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 they um, they voted for the person that I don't like. And okay, okay, but one of the one of the reasons, one of the things I uncovered why it makes me so um, angry about um, the Trump stuff, is because of this. Uh, there's one particular comment that will always lead my disdain for their support for him, and it is when he said. That, that that fucking tape from Access Hollywood where that fucking fucking coke guy, Billy, let's see what the celebrity's doing. Oh, she's breaking down, ladies and gentlemen. Let's put a camera on her. That fucking dude. Um talking to him and he was saying the infamous he just grab him by the pussy. They'll let you do whatever you want when you're famous. And and I realized that that that, that one to that comment is a huge stain. A huge obstacle around a huge emotional explosion for me, particularly with my parents. And I've been working up to tell them this. I haven't told them this yet, and I and I will. But I want to have this conversation when I'm when I'm calm. But um, not to mention the draft dodging. My father was drafted into the navy when he was 18 years old. Okay, he's a respectable man, and I fucking love the shit out of him. And he's um, he doesn't lie. Like he's just a good man and uh and he loves me and i just i love him so much but but the fact that they support him and i know that they're not supporting him because they know that this upsets me so i have to keep reminding myself of that cuz sometimes i get real victimy in my head i'm like they know that i'm upset about this and they're just waving a trump flag in my fucking face that's not what's happening but i when i was in college i had an appointment with a doctor with a uh, i made an appointment because i had to get blood work I had to get a physical uh for some job or something and I this old man in the upper east side I wish I knew his name because boy I'd say it uh and I probably have already told this story of the podcast but um he gave me one of the things he said was okay take your shirt off I'm gonna give you a breast exam and I was like wait huh I was maybe 19 at the time I was like okay and no one else was in the room and I didn't understand at that point that if you are having your body exam, if you're I, I don't know about the rules for men. I, I don't know what they are. But I know that if in the United States, if you are a woman and you're getting a breast exam or you're getting a, a pap smear, a gynecological, anything, another person has to be in the room because motherfuckers be sexually assaulted. You know what I mean? And so uh, this guy gave me a breast exam and then uh, asked me a couple questions, did the whole heartbeat, whatever the fuck thing. And then and then I left his office and I was like, wait a second was that supposed to happen? I feel like maybe that wasn't supposed to happen. And then I called my friend and I was like, hey, is it weird to give a fucking breast exam? Uh, Were you getting blood work for like a physical? My friend was like, nope. And I was like, oh, word. Oh, shit. And there was a point where I did a stand-up bit about it. And I was like, have you ever been sexually assaulted and you didn't realize until later? And you're like, god damn it and i did the bit for a little bit and then people laugh blah, blah blah and then i don't but but this weird thing happened that was when i was 19 i'm 32 years old now and 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 i guess doing guys we fucked and talk think you know understanding how often sexual assault happens it, it, and, and, and understanding just the severity of it made me really mad kevin i'm talking about rape and sexual assault can you just not um but I got really, really angry over that instance, and I and I got angry that we live in a world where I didn't understand that that was wrong when it happened. But also, you know, fight, flight, or freeze—a body's response to something traumatic happening, such as sexual assault. Fight, you punch the shit out of the person. Freeze, you just stand there. And then flight, you run away. But I just I froze. And I'm so fucking angry that I didn't understand that that was wrong. And it, it, and it's just frustrating to get angry over something years after it happens. Um, but I understand why. I, de- I definitely understand why. But like I, I, I'm prepping this conversation to have with my parents to tell them that. They don't know that that happened to me. And um And I just and I and I that is one of the reasons and and to to elect a person to the office of president of the United States When he said something like that and he's been accused of rape By multiple women And he said things like you just grab him by the pussy That is our country continuing to say that this shit is okay And it's not fucking okay and, I, and, I, and I'm building it up to my head to tell them that story and to say, a man older than you sexually assaulted your daughter. And you voted for him, man.
0: You voted for him.
1: And I know that it's not personal and I know you didn't know that about me until now. But God damn, that really hurts my heart. So I'm building up to say that I was like maybe I'll practice saying it on this podcast and then hope they listen and then never say it to them again no I'm gonna say it I am gonna say it but that's just been so anyway this last 15 minutes of this wonderful weekend with my family um <laughs> uh I had this conversation like I'm gonna say this I'm gonna build up and tell them this not this weekend but at some point but I was really formulating like what would I say about the sexual assault thing and the Trump thing and that's what it was and and so but the weekend was wonderful. It was truly a wonderful, magical weekend. Um, Brantley, my nephew, oh God, just the sweetest child, S- the sweetest angel. And Kevin is very—he does not warm up to people right away at all. Um, you really have to get to know him, and then he'll earn your trust. And I really respect that about him. I admire it. I'm a little jealous, of it, to be honest. Um, I think it's pretty cool. And it's so funny—he warmed up to Brantley, my nephew, who's five, sweetest little angel ever. Um, so quickly and was just like obsessed with him. I'm like, isn't that just the cutest goddamn thing I've ever seen in my fucking life? So cute. But at the end, the end, you know, I had packed all my stuff up. I knew I was going to go in like 20 minutes, and my mom came out on the porch. And 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 one of the things that is happening to our parents, guys, if you don't know yet, uh, a lot of parents I feel like are being radicalized on Facebook with the videos. And I just think it's just really sad and bad and not glad. It's not good. My mom is one of those people. And I don't know how to stop it. And I'm so passionate about issues like Black Lives Matter. So passionate. And I thought that I knew a lot about it before the resurgence of Black Lives Matter over quarantine. uh, But I didn't. And boy, was I fucking humbled, as I should be. And I, that made me dive deeper into understanding things and understanding the history of this country and understanding how this country has treated black human beings since the start, and just heartbreaking. Heart. Oh God. Oh, so fucking heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking that fucking Felicity Huffman or whoever the fuck can get a couple months in prison, or Aunt Becky can get a couple months in prison for lying, paying money to get her daughter accepted to a college. But a black mother can lie about her address so that her child can go to a better school, and go to jail for a lot longer than that. It's just, and I'm not saying that particular is a way, but it's just, oh, I mean, it's just so many examples, and it's, and it's, it's. You think about all of them, you're gonna go crazy. You're gonna go crazy. One of the reasons why I say congrats on not killing yourself, cause woo, hoo woo. So my mom knows this and she comes out uh onto the porch um the last 20 minutes I'm there and she's like one of the things she said is like Christina I I I want and it seemed like she was gearing up. I'm like, oh, this weekend was so good. don't oh, okay. And she she was saying she was hmm. Wait, let me, I wrote it down because I was like, I'm gonna get fucking heated, y'all, and I don't wanna mince my words on my own podcast. But if there was just, I felt this huge tone shift in the last 15 minutes of the trip. She came back on the porch and she was, she comes outside and she, she was like, she said something to the effect of like, I must have raised you wrong because she said, you think too much with your heart. And when she said that, I felt like a child ghost punched me in the goddamn stomach. But I didn't lose my shit because I was aware of that little freak out that I had on Friday and I was like, okay, okay, okay okay you rea- is this an old feeling
0: god damn right it's an old feeling
1: <laughs> from the person who originally instilled that feeling into me not on purpose but it still happened uh i didn't lose my shit at least compared to how i uh, historically would lose my shit and react to a conversation like that which would end in you know me crying and yelling and going you guys suck or something like that i wouldn't say that but you know there's a moment and 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 she was she was starting to tell me about black lives matter and where's the funding going and socialism and they're funding other things and i'm like oh boy okay i don't even know what the fuck resources that you're getting this from and i didn't want to because i'm like okay i do not have the capacity to handle this conversation because my mom last christmas my mom was like don't talk about politics and i had a conversation with my uncle about politics we have Fervently just Very opposite political views But we were having a conversation And I was kind of testing that Into like Hey can you have a conversation With somebody who doesn't agree with you And not lose your shit And I did And I was proud of myself But my mom got upset She was like Don't talk about politics And I was like Whoa okay all right." So she brought it up in this instance and i was like okay and then she starts criticizing me about how um, i think too much with my heart and i'm like okay girl okay girl this is your moment to not freak out and then she turned to my brother smugly or at least to me smugly and says because i was i was starting to get heated but i've made very sure to not raise my voice and she goes see this is how she gets and Oh man, Fran! Oh man, Fran! I I lost my shit, and I was like, "Look, I don't give I do not I don't, I don't know." Look, Mom, I j- all I can tell you is I am so behind the movement of Black Lives Matter, and I I'm so I I, re- I know a lot more than you possibly about the disenfranchisement of Black people in this country. Okay, because look. It, I, i'm not saying you have to bring this shit up with your family white people but let me tell you something if your family brings it up and they have opposite political beliefs and you're like black lives matter and they're like do they?" that and you're like okay do not run away from that conversation as hard as it is oh and it's hard don't do it especially if you're someone who was triggered by your family had trauma with your family whatever the fuck oh this is where this shit's gonna come up okay but i was calm i i really thought i was calm in my head and I, and I was like, and I, and I I but I reached a point where something in my head goes, you need to leave right now. And I go, hey, I might think with my heart and I'm proud of, of the woman I am. And thinking with my heart got me to where I am and I'm very proud of that, okay? So I need to go because this conversation is really, um, I don't want my blood to boil and I don't want to say anything rude or disrespectful. And I left. I fucking left. And I did what I had to do to protect myself. I mean, I, ideally, I'd rather, you know, have a, you know, intelligent conversation, respectful conversation and then leave, you know, saying goodbye. That's how I want to handle it next time. But I got to say, kudos, girl, for not screaming and crying. Now, did I drive to Wawa and smoke a cigarette at a gas station and cry outside? Yes, I did. But that's whatever. I had to do it. OK. Did I smoke a cigarette in the 97 degree heat at noon and I hate smoking during the day? Yeah, I did because I lost a stress out but I left with my dignity intact and I remain true to myself. And that's something I wanna do the next time I get triggered, okay? I hope that you can learn from my fucking journey, okay? Because when people say they enjoy seeing me experiencing me hearing me grow in public that sentiment makes me very happy but it's also makes me scared in, in not in a bad way because it's just very vulnerable and when i'm vulnerable to you on this microphone i don't it, i don't think of it as that i'm not like i'm gonna be vulnerable today you know sometimes i just gotta talk out what's going on in my head to to figure it out for myself and you're here for that learning process okay so maybe empathy and vulnerability is my superhero quality okay mm-hmm. but seriously if you normally don't talk politics with your family, I understand, I understand, I really do. But if, if, if a member of your family, especially if you're a white person, if a member of your family is like, you know, this Black Lives Matter, don't run away from the conversation. We have the opportunity to end the cycle of bullshit, you guys, okay? I don't know what's on these Facebook videos that's radicalizing our moms and dads and uncles and aunts, but something's there. And it's really making them paranoid because fear is the ultimate control tactic. And that's why religions are so big and have so much money and don't have to pay taxes. That sucks. We can end this cycle of bullshit, okay? And, uh, and I was listening to the audiobook Scattered. Before I get into the pillar of self-esteem that we're going to go into next. Um, I was listening to um, the audiobook Scattered by Gabor Mate. And um, I'm almost done with it listening to it on the drive up and then on the drive back i was like give me what you got gabor i need it and one of the things he said is adhd folks you can be adhd from trauma you can be adhd because that's how your brain is um but a lot of adhd adults are hypersensitive and fall under that category and they have a low tolerance for injustice and he talks about two of his clients who who saw injustice, who witnessed injustice, witnessed a, one of them witnessed like a person being manhandled by the police, an older woman being manhandled by the police and like pushed around and he fucking lost his shit. And so one of the reasons why, uh, you know, ADHD folks are have, you know, are part of these uh, causes that seek justice for for people who aren't getting it is because ADHD people uh, High sensitive people People who've experienced trauma Have a low tolerance For injustice And sometimes It can make you respond In not the most productive way Like when you just like Leave your family weekend Instead of going Instead of like You know Saying all the things You gotta say calmly And going I love you a lot But you know You know that's This is why I think this And you can think that But this is why I think this You know That's And that's my thing That's I still gotta work on You know Responding productively Guys, how does The Rock have time for anything? This isn't an ad. I was just thinking it. The Rock is in everything. He fucking hosts fucking tough mutter shows and he's in every movie. I'm like, do you have time for shit? Do you have time to wipe your own ass, The Rock? Dwayne? Good call him The Rock nickname because Dwayne isn't as, uh, you know, intimidating. Hi, Dwayne. When I think of Dwayne, I'm like, what's up, Dwayne? But when I think of The Rock, you can't be like, what's up, The Rock? No. You gotta be like, what's up, The Rock? He does everything. He's like the Beyonce of rocks. <laughs> Kevin, you gotta get your balls chopped off on Friday. Is that why you're acting weird? I wonder if he knows. Also, is anybody listening a dog psychic? Hey, you never know. I gotta ask. I wanna know what my dog is thinking. I truly have such a spiritual connection with this goddamn dog. He just he gets me. He gets it. He gets it. Okay, guys, let's take a look at the third pillar of self-esteem, something that we can all benefit from. Everyone. Everyone. Politicians, teachers, turds, turd people. That's just if you're a jerk. The eighth the, the third pillar of self-esteem by Nathaniel Brandon, Six Pills of Self-Esteem. Yeah, boy. The practice of self-responsibility. Isn't that a concept? Isn't that a, just a good concept that you don't see a lot of? So I'm going to read the first section of this. To feel competent to live and worthy of happiness, I need to experience a sense of control over my existence. This requires that I be willing to take responsibility for my actions and the attainment of my goals. This means that I take responsibility for my life and well-being. Self-responsibility is essential to self-esteem and it is also a reflection or manifestation of self-esteem. The relationship between self-esteem and its pillars is always reciprocal. The practices that generate self-esteem are also natural expressions and consequences of self-esteem. Ooh, I like that. Consequence used in a positive way? Sign me up. As we shall discuss later in the chapter, the practice of self-responsibility entails these realizations. And here's just a couple. I'm responsible for the achievement of my desires. I'm responsible for my choices and actions. That's a good one. I'm responsible for how I prioritize my time. And taking responsibility for yourself is not shaming yourself or getting down on yourself. That is so the opposite of being of self-responsibility because boy that don't help if i fuck up or if i you know say say i texted my friend on friday when i was sad about the party i'm like you just fucking well i wouldn't say this but like why didn't you didn't you didn't do you not care about me you didn't text me saying that i wasn't there and whatever and And the friend responds uh, hypothetically with like, "Hey, I didn't know. Sorry." And then I had the therapy session with my therapist, and they're and she's like, "Your friends didn't really do anything wrong." If I would have actually texted my friends and been pissed at them and been like, "What the fuck or whatever, I would have felt real bad about that. But if i but but that's the shame thing. Oh, Christina, why? You fucking do this all the time. You can never tell someone's, you know, if you should stand up for yourself or not. And now you're fucking up this friendship. Up, that's shame. That's a shame spiral. Taking self-responsibility is accepting what happened and going, okay, so this time I was actually feeling something that was an old feeling of abandonment. And I, and I lashed out on my friend. And I and I now understand what it is So to take self responsibility for that action If I had actually lashed out on a friend Would have been to recognize that that's what happened And then to reach out to that friend and say hey I'm really Sorry that I did that Um, and you know It's a good good friend I would explain why And if the friend was frustrated and be like yeah that was really Annoying okay yeah I understand yeah That's that's an example of self responsibility Versus a shame spiral it's so important Because shame spiral that's how you get fucking school Shooters y'all That's a very extreme example Um, No one owes me the fulfillment of my wishes Oh my God, Kevin is seriously humping this pillow And I don't like it Why are you just I'm not going to blame you, Kevin So I'm going to stop commenting on his actions Um, No one owes me the fulfillment of my own wishes I love that line If I am unwilling to take responsibility For the attainment of my desires They are not really desires They are merely daydreams And daydreams are cool too, but for any professed desire to be taken seriously, I must be prepared to answer in realistic terms. What am I willing to do to get what I want? Suck a dick. Just kidding. (laughs) I am responsible for my choices and actions. To be responsible in this context means responsible not as the recipient of moral blame, the shame spiral, or guilt, but responsible as the chief casual agent in my life and behavior And I, a good metaphor That I use for this um, Ryan Reese Who's a comedian And my good friend Said this to me once In in um, relation to Being a stand-up comedian Being in the entertainment industry And having a manager And having an agent And having like a team Like a team of representatives You got a lawyer You got all this stuff um, You own the restaurant The restaurant is your career You own it Okay Your manager Is the manager of the restaurant Your agents help run the restaurant It is your job to help them run your restaurant The way you want it to be run So a, a common thing that a lot of Maybe actors do But I think comedians do this I certainly kind of fell into this initially Oh when I get an agent Oh I signed with CAA They're like the fucking best I'm gonna take off and win an Oscar next year No 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 no, no. You gotta take have self responsibility with your career Just because you have an agent Doesn't mean they're gonna do it for you They don't owe you the fulfillment of your wishes Christina Okay fine I also th- but I also think like I'm big on the law of attraction. So a lot of times I'll daydream about the feeling that I want to have if this goal is met. And that's just nice. But that but but you really have to take action. Uh, you know, if you got a goal, I want to be a famous country singer. And you don't sing or do any of that shit. Well, you got to make a list, girl. Move to Nashville, goddammit. it. Um, I did the set so people have been asking me if I'm doing these sentence stems I did them when I first did the book and I but I did there's a sentence stem that Nathaniel Brandon points out and to basically finish the sentence with five or six replies uh, just really quickly don't think about it too much Um, if I take full responsibility for my choices and actions and I'm just gonna read you my sentence stem if I take full responsibility for my choices and actions I'll eat healthier have more money stop buying useless shit off Amazon this is just what I came up with the top of my head we will finish projects faster Or finish projects at all And can pace my life appropriately And I was like That is a great Fucking list No one else Can possibly be accountable For the level of awareness I bring to my daily activities (sighs) Y'all I get the appeal Of blaming someone else For your problems Trust me I do But you have to be able To decipher What's in your control And what's not Okay Because I want to sit and bitch too. And sometimes that's fun. But then after you bitch sess, you got to get off your ass and do some doing sessions. Does so that make sense, right? I am responsible for the level of consciousness I bring to my relationships. The principle just discussed applies equally to my interactions with others, to my choice of companions, and to the awareness I bring or fail to bring to any encounter. Am I fully present in my encounters with others? oh i started after i when i first read this book i asked myself that a lot and it's very helpful for you to actually be present when you're in a group am i present to what is being said do i think about implications of my statements do i notice how others are affected by what i say and do and sometimes i am too much notice that and it's not good again no shame just take responsibility over the shitheads you have dated i'm just kidding (laughs) but if he, like if i look back like i'm sure i've said on guys we fuck many times like guys are assholes i don't get it i've never had a good relationship wah, wah, wah. <laughs> hey motherfucker how about you take some responsibility for being attracted to those people in the goddamn first place is anybody having a good time god damn i'm typing that up because i want it to be the title y'all um I am responsible for my behavior with other people, coworkers, associates, customers, spouse, friends, children. I'm responsible for how I speak and how I listen. I'm responsible for the promises I keep or fail to keep. I'm responsible for the rationally or irration, uh, rationality or irrationality of my dealings. Sounds like I'm a poker player. We evade responsibility when we try to blame others for our actions, as in, she's driving me crazy he pushes my buttons i would act reasonably if only she would and boy am i guilty of that shit well he was being a bitch well motherfucker you didn't have to react the way you did (laughs) um but I, i often think and maybe this would help you i think of people it's, it's very important to have friends That are good role models And I think of people Who behave in a way that I admire And when I say behave I'm talking particularly about Who, who are present and, and look at people Like there's a couple friends That I've met in my life Some I don't talk to anymore Just because our lives have You know separated You know not because of malice um, That just interact with human beings In a way that I'm like Well that is just I love the way that person interacts with me And I love the way They interact with other people And I love the way I feel when I'm around them hot tip people might not remember what you say but they will remember the way you made them feel and I'll tell you y'all once I learned that quote in like college I went to my laboratory aka my dorm room and I was like I want people to remember me for the rest of time and I did it or kind of I am responsible for how I prioritize my time that hurt whether the choices I make about the uh, disposition of my time and energy reflect my uh, professed values or our incongruence with them is my responsibility. If I insist that I love my family more than anything, yet I'm rarely alone with them and spend most of my leisure time playing cards or golf, always surrounded by friends, I need to confront my contradiction and think about its implications. If I declare that my most important task at work is finding new clients for the firm, but spend 90% of my time bogged down in office trivia that produces very little income, I need to reexamine how I am investing my energy. Boy, I wish it was that easy. But yeah, I one of the things after reading this book that I it made me notice is I always tell people, you know, if I haven't talked to a family member or a friend in a while, how are you? I'd go, oh, I'm busy, and I would always just react so stressed out to that. And then I realize, am I busy or am I busy making a to do list, staring at it, and going, oh god, how am I gonna do all this shit? And then don't actually do anything. But then when someone's like, how are you? I'm like,
0: oh, I'm so busy.
1: And then I went, uh-huh, that is what I'm doing. And it made me figure out a way to calmly walk myself through actually getting shit done. And now when people say, how are you? I don't answer with, oh, I'm an octopus being pulled in 18,000 different directions. I go, oh, I'm great. And then I say other things, but I don't, I, I, I stopped saying, oh, I'm so busy and so stressed. Cause I used to like wear that like a freaky badge of honor or something, I don't know. I'm responsible for the quality of my communications. I'm responsible for being as clear as I know how to be, for checking to see if the listener has understood me, for speaking loudly and distinctly enough to be heard, for the respect or disrespect which I convey, which through I convey my thoughts. I'm responsible for my personal happiness. And boy, yes, you are. Do not look for your own happiness in a partner. Oh my God, Kevin's humping everything. One of the characteristics of immaturity is the belief that it is someone else's job to make me happy. Ouch. Ouch, Nathaniel. Much as it was once my parents' job to keep me alive. If only someone would love me, then I would love myself. If only someone would take care of me, then I would be connected, contented. Oops. If only someone would spare me the necessity of making decisions, then I would be carefree. If only someone would make me happy. (laughs) If only someone would... (laughs) No you're what you've been waiting for this whole time look in the mirror because that's your soulmate. i've got to record at night more often um one of the things that i had said to myself and i wrote this down is um a thought that this uh, made me it like triggered this uh, memory I, I would think i thought this over quarantine too i'm like you know if i dated some someone first of all whoa what would that be like second of all if i dated somebody who uh, was grossed out by me smoking cigarettes not weed (laughs) uh i would quit and then that made me go okay so you would quit for a man but not quit for yourself okay cool and then i was like oh yeah that you know what that's a good point In. i'm responsible for accepting or choosing the values by which i live and, and you should be also responsible for you know making a tally of what are my morals and values how do i conduct myself do i practice what i preach do i tell white people to have the difficult conversation with their family if they bring up black class matters a terrorist or whatever the fuck and I tell people that and then after I actually had the conversation even though it was for 15 minutes I remained calm I said what I needed to say I did leave a little prematurely but that's okay y'all your girl is learning but part of the thing that that situation made me realize is wow I calmly had the conversation I needed to have and the conversation that I yell at everybody else to have I practice what I fucking preached. good job you deserve a treat um I'm responsible for raising my self-esteem. Self-esteem is not a gift I can receive from someone else. It is generated from within. To wait passively for something to happen that will raise my self-esteem is to sentence myself to a life of frustration. Um, And I like this part. Once when I was lecturing a group of psychotherapists on the six pillars of self-esteem, one of them asked me, why do you put your emphasis on what the individual must do to grow in self-esteem? Isn't the source of self-esteem the fact that we are all children of God? okay um now look now look y'all now look i i've always thought it strange when people accomplish something amazing and then they give all the credit to god even before i uh, before all the but before just i've always thought that always i'm like why are they why are they giving all the credit to god they did it they did it but i know if whatever religion you have if you have one if that's where you get confidence and and well If that's where you get motivation to do great shit, that's cool, but just know you're doing it, not God. God is the black lesbian, y'all, and she's watching over us, but you are responsible for you. So give yourself the credit, says the girl who gave her ex-boyfriend credit in my book. Whatever, shit happens, you live and you learn. You live and you learn. If If we betray ourselves and our powers, if we live mindlessly, purposely, purposelessly oh that's a tough one and without integrity can we buy our way out can we acquire self-esteem by claiming to be god's relatives do we imagine we can thus relieve ourselves of personal responsibility when people lack healthy self-esteem they often identify self-esteem with being loved ouch that hurt if they did not feel loved by their families sometimes they comfort themselves with the thought that god loves them and they try to tie their self-esteem to this idea and I, and I always thought, uh, like, to me, you know, do I believe in God or what is God to me? And I do. God to me, God to me, it, I, I say, what I say in my head is uh, the universe. Um, but the moments that I feel like I see God or experience the magic of what it is to be a person is when I do things like look in Kevin's eye, when I'm just laying with Kevin in silence and he's just, you know, brushing his head against my cheek. When I go to my fucking P.O. box and there's letters in it, those are the moments where I'm like, I just feel really connected. And to me, that's God. And if God is whatever to you, cool. Um, next section, a clarification. I do not support the grandiose notion that, quote, I am responsible for every aspect of my existence and everything that befalls me. Some things we have control over, others we do not. If I hold myself responsible for matters beyond my control, I put my self-esteem in jeopardy, since inevitably I will fail my expectations. God, that's so true. Uh, If I deny responsibility for matters that are within my control, again, I jeopardize my self-esteem. I need to know the difference between that which is up to me and that which is not. And let me tell you something. One thing that you can have control over, unless it's a tra- you're experiencing trauma, like a like a sexual assault, for example, you don't know how your body's going to react. That fight or flight response that's that's ingrained in you. So that something like that, that's something you cannot control, and it's very important to know that. So that way, if God forbid, if you get sexually assaulted and then you don't even realize it until ten years later. That's your fight or flight that's your brain put burying that experience because you cannot tolerate it And it's not any weakness to you So that's some that's something really important that fight or flight response It's really important to know that that's not you you can't always control that I don't think you can ever control it You can work on yourself and 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 work on your mental health and maybe that would Prove favorably the next time your fight or flight, you know, systems are reacting, but you can't quite control that. If you if somebody uh, sexually assaults you and you freeze, that you d- do not waste time feeling ashamed from that because that is not something you can control. But a lot of times, like you can control how you react to shit, and I gotta remind myself of that every goddamn day. And, I, and it made me feel really good about leaving my parents' house uh the way that I did um just without yelling and uh, saying anything disrespectful. That made me feel really really good cuz I had control of my reaction. Um self responsibility shows up as an active orientation to work and life rather than a passive one. If there is a problem, men and women who are self-responsible ask or non-binary. Uh what can I do about it? What avenues of action are possible to me? If something goes wrong, they ask, what did I overlook? What did I miscalculate? How can I correct the situation? They do not protest, but no one told me what to do. That was me. Or, but it's not my job. I've said that so many times. They indulge neither an alibi nor in blaming. They are typically solution oriented. And to me, that really what that says is, if you fuck up, be curious about it. Okay, what, what, what could I do next time that's better? And don't be like, you stupid piece
0: of shit. You're all so stupid, Dale.
1: Dwayne. If I were to give up blaming my parents. Oh, here's some examples. Oh, from the personal realm or sentence completion. Uh, if I were to, oh, these are, okay, so these are um, examples that his clients have given. If I were to give up blaming my parents for my unhappiness, said a child in quotes of 46, I'd have to take responsibility for my actions. I'd have to face the fact that I've always felt sorry for myself and enjoyed it. Ooh, that hurt. I'd have to recognize that I still dream of being rescued by my father. Ooh, out she's again. I admit I like seeing myself as a victim. Prickly all around. I'd have to act in new ways. I'd get out of my apartment and look for a job. I couldn't just suffer. That's a good one. And here's another person, what she said, or he, I don't know. If I take responsibility for my emotions, said a woman. Okay, she who exhausted her family and friends with her complaining. <laughs> I wouldn't be so depressed. I'd see how often I make myself miserable. I'd see how much rage I'm denying. I'd admit how much of my unhappiness is spite. Oh, that one hurt. I'd focus more often on the good things in my life i'd realize i'm trying to make people feel sorry for me and i'd see i can be happy more often i mean come on y'all i'll take a sip of water that was good um and then uh nathaniel brandon gives a personal example where he was um i don't know he was married to or he had an intense relationship with novelist philosopher ayn Rand over 18 years and he says that our, their relationship passed through almost every form imaginable. Student, teacher, friends, colleagues, lovers, partners, ultimately adversaries. And he talks about what he did wrong in the relationship. Um, and one of the things he said is, I delayed facing the fact that nothing would change unless I made it change. And because I delayed... Oh Boy, do I delay stuff in romantic relationships? I delay um, having conversations I need to have I caused suffering and humiliation to us both. I avoided a responsibility that was mine to take. No matter what explanations I gave myself, there was no way for my self esteem to remain unaffected. Only when I began to take the initiative, did I begin the process of regaining what I had lost. We often see this pattern in marriages. One partner sees before the other that the relationship is finished, but he or she does not want to be, quote, the bad guy, the one to end things. So instead, manipulation begins to lead the other to make the first move. It is cruel, degrading, lacking in dignity, and hurtful to both people. It is self-demeaning and self-diminishing. To the extent that I evade responsibility, I inflict wounds on my self-esteem. In accepting responsibility, I build self-esteem. Man, if we took more self-responsibility in a in romance, whew, we wouldn't have any movies or novels about it. We wouldn't. Man, fucking shit, your shit really does boil up when you're in love. Ugh. And then thoughts on productiveness. Through productiveness, through work, we support our existence. Through the exercise of our intelligence towards some useful ends, we become more fully human. Without productive goals and productive effort, we remain forever children. But you also should let your inner child play and stuff. But yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I did that raised my self esteem when I was in college is I had my first year in college at Penn State while dreaming of being on Saturday Night Live. And then in the middle of my semester, truly one of the best years of my life, I loved Penn State. It's fucking Disneyland for adults. It's it, it, for twenty somethings. It was wonderful. It was the one of the. It was like what you think of a college experience. Ideally, being in a movie about American College, that was Penn State Main Campus. We are Penn State. Yeah. And I was there before all the pedophile shit. So, woo, it was happening, but I didn't know about it yet. Um, And and I go, I want to intern SNL or I want to be on SNL, but I'm at Penn State okay 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 is there a way that i could um get in with snl before actually auditioning for it because i'm not gonna be ready to audition for it for a while yes they have interns there they do they have interns there the s- show only runs from september to may so that means and you have to NBC. i looked it up you have to be uh, a college student in new york city to be uh, an intern well you can be in another college i guess to intern at saturday night live so i was like well goddammit, it girl you want to be on snl you got to fucking pack up from this joyful heavenly island of debauchery and learning at happy fucking valley because that's the name of the town rightfully named except we think about the pedophile thing uh and i gotta pack my bags and move to a city that scares the shit out of me and then i had to ask myself do you really want snl and then i answered yes i do christina and then i go well let's go we got to apply let's look at colleges fucking take responsibility for your goals motherfucker Thinking for oneself, a person cannot think through the mind of another. We learn from one another to be sure, but knowledge implies understanding, not mere imitation or repetition. (sighs) We can either exercise our own mind or else pass on to others the responsibility of knowledge and evaluation and accept their verdicts more or less uncritically. The choice we make is crucial for the way we experience ourselves as well as for the kind of life we create. Often what people call thinking is merely recycling the opinions of others. Yep. Yes, it is. That we are sometimes influenced by others in ways we do not recognize does not alter the fact that there is a distinction between the psychology of those who try to understand things, think for themselves and judge for themselves, and those to whom such a possibility rarely occurs. What's important here is intention, the nature of an individual's goal. To speak of thinking independently is useful because the redundancy has value in terms of emphasis. Often, what people call thinking is merely recycling the opinions of others. I already said that, but whatever. So we can say that thinking independently about our work, our relationships, our values that guide our life, the goals we set for ourselves, strengthens self-esteem. So if you just sit after this podcast episode and you take out a diary and you go, dear diary, what are my goals and dreams? And you just by yourself, no one else around. Just think about them. That will build your self-esteem. What a simple way. Just write down on a piece of paper after this. Don't pause. Keep listening. Um, Don't leave me. You have to love me or else I'm not valid. Um, Just kidding. Uh, Write down on a piece of paper. What are my morals? What's important to me? What do I believe in? Just the act of taking tally of that shit will build your self-esteem. And what a simple thing to do, you know. The moral principle. Embracing self-responsibility is not merely as a personal preference, not merely as a personal preference, but as a philosophical principle entails one's acceptance of a profoundly important moral idea. In taking responsibility for our own existence we implicitly recognize that other human beings are not our servants and do not exist for the satisfaction of our needs. We are not morally entitled to treat other human beings as means to our ends, just as we are not means to theirs. Never ask a person to act against his or her or their self-interest as he or she understands it or them. We wish people if we wish people to take some action or provide some value we are obliged to offer reasons that are meaningful and persuasive in terms of their interest and goals so don't just be like do this because i want you to this policy is the moral foundation of mutual respect goodwill and benevolence amongst human beings it rejects the notion that some people may be treated as sacrificial fodder for the goals of others which is the premise underlying all dictatorships and for that matter, most political systems. God damn, Nathaniel Brandon, if you're not right about that shit. And one other thing, I don't know why I wrote, I wrote this note and I don't know if it really makes sense with the, what I just read, but that's what I, that's what I guess what inspired me reading it. Uh, when, when I get mad at somebody, you know, when we criticize somebody or we even praise somebody, that really says more about what's going on inside of us and has nothing to do with a person. Like if somebody comes up to me and was like, I don't know. uh You're really pretty. If somebody comes up and tells me I'm really pretty, like a girl, let's just this is the example. I th- them telling me that has more to do about th- th- with them. I can go thank you so much, but I'm not gonna go thank you and then go home and go she thought I was pretty. I am Jesus. I rule. Like you know what I mean? You don't let that go to your head. And and I and I often, um, whenever I ever whenever I criticize somebody for being selfish, like some a friend in my life or whatever. I go I, I I interrogate that you know and I, I you know there's no one answer to any time I, I say that person's being very selfish but I ask myself am I saying this person is being very selfish because I don't give myself permission to be selfish the way they do and I'm kind of jealous of it and then I go ding 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 we have the winner so fuck off Christina no, don't fuck off um okay then I'm gonna read this last section verbatim the title of this little section is no one is coming and I'm not talking about jizz and orgasms y'all having worked with people for so many years with the aim of building self-esteem I have always been on the lookout for decisive moments in psychotherapy instances when a click seems to occur in the client's mind and new forward motion begins. Oh, those are the best fucking moments. When you experience them yourself, you're like, hallelujah. One of the most important of such moments is when the client grasps that no one is coming. No one is coming to save me. No one is coming to make life right for me. No one is coming to solve my problems. If I don't do something, nothing is going to get better. The dream of a rescuer who will deliver us who, uh, who will deliver us may offer a kind of comfort, but it leaves us passive and powerless. We may feel if I only suffer long enough, if I only yearn desperately enough, somehow a miracle will happen. But this is the kind of self-deception one pays, one pays for with one's life as it drains away into the abyss of unredeemable possibilities and irretrievable days, months, decades. Ooh, who's horny? Is anyone having a good time? Some years ago in my group therapy room, we hung on the wall a number of sayings that I often found useful in the course of my work. A client made me a gift of several of these sayings done in needlepoint, each with its own frame. One of the sayings was, it isn't what they think, it's what you know another was no one is coming one day a group member with a sense of humor (laughs) was it me (laughs) challenged me about no one is coming nathaniel it is not true he said you came correct i admitted but i came to say that no one is coming oh damn y'all that is the third pillar of self-esteem the practice of self-responsibility and next week we're going to get into the fourth pillar which gives me a little bit of the heebie-jeebies because it's self-assertiveness Gah! <laughs> um i hope you enjoyed that guys please rate and review this podcast on itunes because it makes me go on the comedy charts and that helps my ego and my soul and my spirit um i really appreciate it um please don't kill yourself i understand if you want to but please know that your life is worth living even if you can't see that at the moment, okay? It's not easy and sometimes pain feels so unbearable that the possibility of ending it just feels like such relief. And I, and I encourage you to give yourself permission to go there in your head because at least for me, I wouldn't even allow myself to go there in my head A lot of times it's because my mom Because I've seen somebody try to do that and, and I just, I thought that Oh no, I can't even think that But you know, when I, af, you know My, my 20s and, and my 32 You know, my 30s, 31, 32 um, al- For me, allowing myself to at least go there in my head And go, boy, it would be great If I just didn't feel any of this pain anymore It It, it, it helped me But I, please, you are wanted here. You are loved. You are important. And you fucking matter. Okay? 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 And if you're 18 and you live in the United States and you don't vote in November, I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to punch you in the taint. I love you guys. Keep hanging in there. Keep being good people. We have the potential, the possibility, and we're doing it right now you're learning more about yourself through this episode you are if, you, if this is inspiring you to look within i have done my job on this planet i'm not gonna go anywhere but i'm just saying like woohoo good for me and good for you it's not easy working on yourself is not easy practicing self-responsibility you're gonna fail and it's okay if you fail it doesn't mean all the work you've been doing up until then is pointless because it's not okay And the song that I'm going to play at the end of this episode um, was written by Kesha, um, who is a survivor of sexual assault. And this song um, talks about how she was able to pull herself out of the mental hell that can follow being sexually assaulted. Um, Again, go to my website uh, for all the resources mentioned in this episode. You are important to me and you matter. And please don't be a dick. Be a good person and go out there and conquer the world. I love you. I'll talk to you next Wednesday.
0: Used to live in the darkness dress in black act so heartless but now I see the colors are everything got kaleidoscopes in my hair do Got back the stars in my eyes too Yeah, now I see the magic inside of me Yeah, maybe my head's fucked up But I'm falling right back in love with being alive Dreaming in light, light, light This kitty got lost her mind Been looking for a star since That I'll be alright Look to the skies I found a rainbow Rainbow baby, trust me, I know life is scary But just put those colors on, girl Come and play along with me tonight I would forgot how to daydream So consumed with the wrong things But in the dark, I realize this life is short And deep down I'm still a child Playful eyes, wide and wild I can't lose hope What's left in my heart's still made of gold And I know that I'm still fucked up But are we all my love, darling? Our scars make us who we are, are So when the winds are howling strong And you think you can't go on Hold tight, sweetheart You'll find a rainbow Rainbow, baby, trust me, I Just put those colors on, girl Come and play along with me tonight You gotta land a go, Put the past behind you Trust me, I know The girls will try to find a bed Just put those colors on, girl Come and paint the world with me tonight Night, night, night Trust me, I know lies is scary, but just put those colors on, girl You gotta learn to let me go Put the past behind you, trust me, I know The to will try to find you, but just put those colors on, girl Come and paint the world with me tonight Oh, put those colors on, girl Come and paint the world